What's your what's your little dog's name? Uh, Lucy. All right. So like, what you want to hear it? And I, I do. I want to hear. It. What is Lucy? What's her voice like? We call her the wee baby Lucy. <laughs> and sometimes when you got to get her attention, you say Lucy. <laughs> Lucy. How did you come up with a Scottish accent for? Her? Is she a Scotty dog? Is that what she is? Um, I think that the I think the the Westies are they're Scottish or something like that. What is a West? What's Westie short for? She's a West Highland Terrier, Todd. West Highland. She's a West Highland Terrier. Do you know how to say Spice Girls in a uh, a uh, Scottish accent? Uh, no, but I've seen all these Scottish things where they, <laughs> they you say like, cannot pronounce shit. You say Space Ghettos. Space Skittles. Space Skittles. Space Skittles. Spice like Skittles. Yeah. What do Matilda's voice? Uh, this is this is me, and I do, do you wanna? <laughs> do, I have six titties. <laughs> so that's a fun fact about me. <laughs> it's so good, man. I, I've I've thought about like Stella's before, but so Stella's from Harlem, and Ooh. she's she's <laughs> like the she's like the neediest. She's the neediest female I've ever encountered in my life. So I feel like I see her as like, she's kind of like a little bit of a sassy Spanish, like Hispanic lady, but also yes. like very needy. And so I've, I'll work out her voice for the next one and see if we can get it dialed in. But she's, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Why are you looking at me like that? No, I, I just thought I was the only crazy one. But now I realize you and I are paddling the same canoe. So I feel better about myself. Oh, dude, I think I think we're not as strange when it comes to that as you might think. Well, people like you spend so much time with dogs. And if you don't say anything, you just kind of wonder, like, what would they, you know, what would they sound like? And their personalities. And you're like, I think I know. I think I know what they would sound like. You're probably right. Well, that's like Matilda's very eager to please as well, though, too, right? Because she's a oh, she totally. Do, yeah, she's a bird yeah. dog. She wants to do what dad tells her. I always be trying to do a very good job. Try to do very <laughs> good. Yes. We're, we're behind in a mountain system, okay? And I be running and I stop. And he show up, okay, like magic, make bang on them. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Uh, what is all right? So, what's something. So I want to talk about things that have like uh, you've kind of reincorporated or just have incorporated into like your day or week or something that's been been helping you physically or mentally. So you got something on tap that's been working for you? Yeah, literally on tap. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we talked about this, but the, you know, cold You're shower. Steal, why are you stealing mine? You said on tap. That was like, what a what a tee off. Okay, uh, aside from your cold shower, um, I had a um, a period of time where I kind of went through like a month and just um, revisited, or I shouldn't say revisited, but kind of itemized some of my deficiencies um, physically. How'd you do that? <clears throat> I Well, I think just after years and years of training, you kind of have an idea like my shoulder mobility is not as good as it should be if I don't maintain it. Um, and, um, especially from some of the, like if you're carrying a gun in the Hills all the time, you know, yeah. you're just kind of in this position where stuff sort of just tightens up and you might need more than 
whatever's in a given program. And I had the epiphany a while ago that like, you know, it's, it's on the individual sort of to know yourself and you can't all, you know, no program. If the coach isn't like right in front of you and assessing you every single session knows kind of where you're at in terms of your mobility. And I think sometimes people don't either, if they're not really aware of it, I guess. I mean, we do the mobility testing and stuff to where people get an idea of what they can and can't do. Um, but I started, um, doing a lot of that stuff, um, specifically some, um, kind of, um, hip flexor strengthening, um, adductor abductor stuff. And then, um, uh, some foot stuff. Like I've been messing with foot stuff, like only fans. Uh, no, that would be way more lucrative than what I'm doing. Um, well, but you know, the old, the old IRS is cracking down on them this year. (laughs) Um, I guess I call them like standing, um, ankle cars. So if you figured an ankle car and you're just standing, you go through that rotation on your feet. Um, I find that that helps a lot, especially if I get any like tightness or anything in like the bottom of my foot, especially when breaking in boots. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause I don't, I don't love stiff boots and sometimes they give me a little bit of grief, but I wore the soles off of a pair of crispies halfway through the year already. So Jesus, I had to switch dude. to a little more robust boot and it's a little stiffer and had a little, um, so I've been kind of hitting that stuff to it. And I mean, Wait, you do you attribute do that to the quality of the boot or the amount of miles that you put on them? Both. Yeah. Yeah. I think like that boot is just not quite heavy enough for what i and for whatever reason i'm just very hard on footwear i'm not sure why and i'm not a big huge heavy person but i've just always had that problem um do you walk so, funny you got like a you got like a weird thing or something no they're like worn flat down the center hmm. um but just yeah they got to the point where they were like skis in the snow like if it was just even wet i'm just falling down all over the place um so i switched to a a pair of loas this year and they're a little stiffer and stuff and um while they're breaking in one of my feet will kind of get like you know it's like early plantar fasciitis and rather than let that get out of control i'm like you know what i need to revisit some of this stuff that i was doing before and lo and behold all it worked all again didn't it? worked again so i just thought you know i'm just not going to stop doing this stuff because i think with those mobility deficiencies and stuff we kind of I see those personally like up and down. They like show back up and then you take care of them. They kind of go away and they show back up and it's like okay. a little bit of maintenance all the time. It doesn't take much. Well, that's like the loop, right? Because it's, uh, you know, I have uh, the one guy that we refer to from our gym. He's a, he's a chiropractor by training, but he's not just like a crack your neck and charge you guy. You know, he does your re- vertebral artery. Yeah. Right. Like move. <laughs> he does movement rehab and you know he'll use some of it the modalities like dry needling and, and stuff like that if it's if it's appropriate and necessary but um that's like the shit that all those guys run into is like they make somebody feel better and you have to convince them like yes you do feel good now but you have to continue to do these things if you want to continue to feel good like you have to do the maintenance because you know we're humans we're asymmetrical and if you use your body shit's going to come up yep and and I don't ever let anything get to like a roaring bad place, but it's like, um, you can just kind of keep it from being a problem. Once you sort of drill down, like 
where those things pop back up and you figure out what what things you need to do to negate them and literally like you know once every other day or something it's just super simple i'm like why did i stop doing this so because you're a silly goose i actually filmed some videos this morning i was going to send you some of the things i've been doing great well just not on only fans oh well, you know where i was in, going in my garage gym okay well, you can be in your garage gym and still upload them to OnlyFans. I think maybe that's a that. niche that hasn't been explored. Garage gym OnlyFans. Quitting my job. <laughs> I wouldn't do that yet. Um, <laughs> I would, I would I'm not saying that you won't make any money, but I, what I'm saying is, is that like it takes some time to build up a following. You know, if you're especially if you're only charging five bucks a month for butthole mobility videos or something, dude. Like I'm gonna like, chase my dreams, sugar. <laughs> <laughs> i'm done i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna go any farther with that i'm gonna stop right I'm now gonna put that one away now uh yeah so yeah but me the cold showers thing i don't know i stopped doing it probably because it's when did i well i think it's like events thing right like so like leading up to uh like the majority of 2022 until i left for alaska was just a part of the routine you know and you go, you go and you do something for such a long period of time. I was in Alaska for three weeks that sometimes can break habits. And if you're not, if you're not aware of it, it like, but it's so weird. Cause there are other things I came back to and I just fall right back into them. Like when I make my coffee in the morning, I do my mobility stuff and like all these other things that just pick back up, but they've also been there for years and years and years. So it's maybe a little different that way, but, and then I just started doing it and <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I saw an, an Andrew Huberman post about how much um, cold exposure affects your catecholamines. You know, yeah. I was like, you know what? I used to do that all the time, and I stopped doing it. And that's something I need to bring back. So, I uh, first thing in the morning, I get up and I just do. I just do a minute. I just hop in for a minute. That's what I do too. Yeah, yeah as cold as I can stand it, and um, breathe through it, and then just go about my day. But like, man, it just. I don't know if it's just placebo, but I feel better. Mine feels clear. Like just kind of, I don't know if it's just an eat the frog thing and do something uncomfortable first thing in the morning. And mm. I mean, the, the actual know. effect of your catecholamines, like, all yeah, I mean, the thing is when, when like, <clears throat> I'm not a neurobiology professor, but there are physiologic things that happen when we go into cold water, like so something's happening in there, right? Sure. Like jumping a freezing ass cold lake. It's not like jumping into a warm water. It's like you, you know, it something feels different. Do you get like a kind of like head rush feeling after like a minute when cold water? You know, kind of weird. I do. I was at I was talking with my friend about this because we were talking about cold exposure and what people are doing and how I think it's like, I don't know why people take it to this place where they gotta like this has, I'm going to break through the ice. I'm going to sit in here for 10 minutes. And I'm like, I don't think that just there's get any... what you need from it. And move right. Like, I don't think yeah. there's any benefit for, to doing it harder, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that's just people though, dude. I know it's got to be done harder or you yeah. know, more is always better. That's but anyway, you're saying, go ahead. I, I get like a noticeable after about like a minute or whatever. I get this like kind of mildly euphoric feeling. Interesting. And then, yeah, I'm like, okay, and then I'm done. Hmm. And I feel very awake after that. Do you do you do hashish before you do it? Uh, not every day, just Tuesdays. Have you been doing hashish? No, 
no hashish <laughs> i don't know but it's a it's a repeatable thing that i it happens that does it happen every time water. Mm-hmm. interesting yeah i'm like ooh, i feel a little fuzzy in my head all right i'm done i don't know i don't have that experience yeah do you shoot it like do you ever do it right and maybe it's like just lowering my blood pressure a bunch or something but it could be because i'm like right on the neck you know Mm. oh yeah so what i do is i do it the whole way around my body so i start like i first get in and just like start on my legs i do so i gotta put myself on a spit you know it's like a pig and it's turn (laughs) i uh i start on my legs and (laughs) i work up my (laughs) and then i then the neck and then i turn around and it hits the back of my neck and then work down my body that way and then the last thing i do is put my head under the water so that's what i do I don't know if that's how you're supposed to do it. That's how I do it. So. I didn't think in my 34th year of life I would be talking about another person <laughs> how they bathe themselves. <laughs> <laughs> this is fair I, enough. I felt like I was doing good until just now. <laughs> Dude, I'm fucking, I'll be 37 in three months. Look at where I'm at. Uh, that's good. Uh, uh, good. No, but I, I, uh, I definitely do think it's a good hap, a good thing for Practice. me. But I think what you were talking about, some things are so easy to let go of. That's one yeah. of them. You're just skipping the setting on the shower. Just a sweep of the hand and that behavior is, that's the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Like the water was not cold. It was hot when I got in. I mean, it's so easy to like, just wipe it right off the table. Well, especially with something uncomfortable like that, I think you have to, yeah, it's especially to start it again. You have to remember what it gave to you. Yeah. You have to identify the value for sure. You have to be very clear on like what it gave to you and and why it helps so much. And otherwise you're just not going to do it because we're not necessarily programmed to seek discomfort. So no, I think that that, that's the most for pretty much anything though, is like, what is it going to give to you? And what is the purpose of it? How do you connect to it? Or you just, it's the same reason, like at the gym, you know, I've, I've owned a gym for a long time and I've worked in the fitness industry my entire adult career. And the, the biggest reason that people quit is not because it's difficult or uncomfortable. It's because they don't know why in the hell they're doing it, or they just don't have a good enough reason, you know, and they can't, they can't really attach to something that's bigger than, than what they're doing. And so they give up. So I guess you could say it's because they're uncomfortable, but they don't have a good enough reason to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting thing because I think people that are just like masochists, you know, they're those. Types. That's also weird. Yes. I, I think that, yeah. When people are like, oh yeah, I just love when it hurts. It's like, mm, I think for the majority of us, like humans are designed to stay alive and discomfort is one of those things where you're like, mm. Don't you know, like that. <laughs> I'm wired in to think that this might kill me, so I'm gonna stop. You know, I'm stopping now. Um, yeah, so it's, I, I don't think it's one of those things to say like, oh, we just do it because it's uncomfortable. It's saying like, discomfort helps to like kind of make your brain say, oh, you don't need to do that. So yeah. having well, a, so a good purpose in it. Yeah. Well, otherwise you wouldn't like something as simple as high intensity can you continuous training. Like it's not super arduous but it's arduous enough where you're like i could stop i could stop right now yeah there's uh, there's no teacher 
No one's going to get me in trouble. I can Nobody's just taking attendance. Yeah. Like I just, I could just stop, but you don't because you bargain with yourself a little bit and you realize, you know, first of all, what kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be the person that stops in the middle of it when you know you don't have to? And um, you realize that there is a benefit coming from it and you have to identify with that. Yeah. And I also think once you have a good foundation built for tolerating exercise and other discomforts, I think that that high intensity, high intensity continuous training is nice because it sort of just gives you that threshold to just have enough to keep going just enough rest to just keep hitting it again and again and again. But yeah, mentally you look like, dear God, do I want to do another one of these? You know, like one, cause it's, it's a lot of volume. Well, anything that's hard, you just, or for whatever reason that it's hard, it's just so easy to say, I don't have to do this. And if you don't have it dialed in that, like, like I said, what kind of person you want to be and, you know, have it in line with something that you want to accomplish, then you won't do it. And that's when people start to choose like, well, I'll just go back and lift weights again, or I'll just do this and walk on the treadmill. And then you show up for your elk hunt in September and you get to get across that drainage and you do it, but then you're like, I, this is not going well, you know? And then you kind of dick yourself because you weren't attached to your purpose and the things you need to be attached to, to that allowed you to do the hard thing early, you know? Yeah. And have you ever had a moment like that? Like you weren't prepared physically for something? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I remember distinctly cause I've always like hunted and messed around and stuff and not always put like, I've taken that for granted a little bit because I've always been pretty aerobically inclined. Mm. And so just didn't take much for me to go do that stuff. And when I was on like a powerlifting phase of life, <clears throat> I remember uh, going chucker hunting and just having like the most insane, horrible quad pump ever. Oh yeah. And like looking like, man, I, I fucked up <laughs> like way back there. I fucked up. Oh you know? dude. Yeah. Um, and just that feeling like, man, I do not like that f- feeling of the feeling of being unprepared for me is worse than the feeling of like physical pain when you have that moment, like, you know, I had an opportunity to do better or to address these things. I didn't even look at. Um, and that was like when I was in school and it was like, okay, never again. I think a lot of times what it gets us into that situation is our ego. We just expect to be able to do it or like, Oh, you know, it's, I, I, I can tell you that that's what, when I've been in those situations, that's been, been, my problem it was like well yeah this was a long time ago but i think it was just right after college when i was i was just mostly powerlifting and stuff i was done playing football and my buddy you know brett and our other buddy josh were out kayaking on the river at home and they're just running circles around me and i'm dying like i'm not keeping up and they're laughing at me and making fun and i'm just like i'm heavy i'm all this it's like no, I just was out of shape and I had a big ego about like, oh, I should just be able to do it, you know? And I think a lot of times that's what gets us in trouble is we just, we have this expectation and and we're not as in touch with reality as we should be, or we don't let ourselves just say like, come on, dude, you know? that I, I don't think that's very uncommon either, um, no. especially when looking at when people have certain things they can do well, um, you know, aerobic work or something, um, but then they have 
injuries. I was talking with one of my friends about this, you know, can hike all day. And then like, Oh, I was doing something simple and it, it hurt. And I dude, you got to like swallow your ego for a little bit and you have to address these things. It doesn't mean you need to scale all these other areas of your fitness down. Sure. It doesn't mean you can do less, but you know, you, you need to address this thing to bring all these other areas of, of your fitness up. And I think it's normal for all of us to look at like, oh yeah, I've always been able to do that. I'll always be able to keep doing that. And it's like, well, if you don't understand what enabled you to do that and you don't maintain it, no, you won't. Yeah. Well, and that's where people that have a lot of natural gifts get into trouble. Yeah. Because then then they try to do other things. They run out. Well, they run out of them or they just feel like, I'll just be good at it. And then they go to do something and they're not good at it. And it's just like, well, they don't know how to work for it now, you know? Yeah. But the same thing is, you know, you and I are opposites. I get big and strong and fast, super easy. Like that's how I'm wired. Yeah. But aerobic My ancestors stuff. were goats. <laughs> aerobic stuff is hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think mine were Vikings where I can throw stuff Dude, and jump. And... Your people would have killed my people for sure. Unless my people got like a one day head start and well, then they, we would have been fine. They would have just lured us in and ambushed us or something. That's what you, yeah. you used your head yeah big meaty ego driven people so uh anyway yeah so i don't know i I think that that's what walks us down into that trouble is just not actually taking a step well what you did was great you you said you you took a look at where your holes are right now not like your mouth and your ears and your nose or oh i I didn't have to look i know where those are but you looked at where your holes are in your fit your body your fitness not your body because you know and um i'm gonna stop uh and you addressed them you addressed the problem and yeah and that was i mean like i said there's always kind of an ego swallowing moment with that i think um but yeah man i mean um i mean especially if you look at like uh i don't know like a dancer you're like my god I, I can't move like that. And so there, that's on the human scale of possibility. Granted, it might be the extreme end, but sure. you can look at that and be like, I can move better. You know, I know I can like, cause look at what is that possible yeah. and, and not like freakish thing, but just that years of training, like they can move like that. If I could move like 50% of their range, like I'll be doing great. Yeah. You know, I don't need to be able to kick myself in the head, but it's uh it it's not like rocket science either i guess i think the bigger part of it is finding things like we're talking about that is a sustainable habit that works for you so you have to know what's going to work for you in terms of like the nuts and bolts the movements and stuff and then you have to incorporate it in a way that you can continue to do it well yeah there's there's the it has to you figure out how it fits into your life there's the 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 purpose driven aspect of it um and and knowing why you're doing it and then you know chris and i were talking about something on the podcast for the gym the other day um there was about a two-year period where i just didn't even feel like working out didn't want to do it i didn't enjoy it anymore it was just i had trained since i was 12 years old and it was in my late twenties, I think late twenties or early started my early thirties. And I just was like, I just kept doing it. 
because I was, I, I knew that if I stopped, I wasn't going to like myself. I also knew that if I stopped, my head would be even less clear than it already was because like I, if I don't move, I am not fit to be around. I'm kind of a maniac if I don't expel some yeah. of my energy and that there's a, there's a future version of me that needs me to move. And so sometimes you just have to do things because it's good for you and you don't necessarily have to be like super motivated to do it or just have the understanding that sometimes you just have to show up and do something that's good for you no matter you know internally what you're feeling or whatever it is because i think we're so driven by a lot of the messaging in society today to just do what feels good and like you know you're okay the way you are and just you know if it doesn't feel right avoid it it's like sometimes you just have to do shit too you know you you know that working on your ankle mobility is something that is going to make everything else better even if you don't feel like doing it right now you just you fucking do it you know yeah and i think um something that's cool about movement fidelity or mobility or whatever you want to call it is um there's easy ways to test it that aren't taxing because like a lot of um assessments and stuff are they're like kind of taxing and you don't want to be like assessing yourself all the time sure but mobility you can easily see like is this getting better you know do i objectively or subjectively feel better and then you can do an objective test really easy and say yeah this feels better um one of our clients had gotten like um had sort of a, a minor injury and was asking like what can i do and i'm like this time of year man i if you really want especially to avoid getting in like the mental dumps when you're injured um was like do you have what kind of mobility stuff do you want to address he's like oh i didn't even think of that i'm like you could do like a lot of it even with a thumb injury um yeah. and it's also you can get measurable progress in that period of time which is like good for your brain too yeah there's always something so, you can do i think yeah. that's there's always something you can do yeah i think that's important to note write it down I did in my hopes and dreams book. <laughs> I knew you had one. Do you think I'm lying? I don't. Oh, I was going to say. It's a, it's a good thing to have. So. Oh, cool. It's a yeah. wide world composition book because no one it's, else can see this but me. But It's blue. Hmm. It's made by Yubi. It's very important. I don't know. Who's Yubi? I don't know. There's a little toucan on there and it says Yubi. You buy, Yubi gives is what it says. Ooh, you Sounds buy, like Yubi a Ron gives. Burgundy. You <laughs> buy, Yubi gives. <laughs> uh, let's do this, this question that we had sent in. Um, so the question is, well, it's not really a question. It's a statement. So I guess, I don't know. So coaching and motivational science for a client to better enjoy a program rather than fight it. So this is more of a question like, like a trainer would ask and like I would answer for a trainer. But I think that um, this insight would be good for just about anybody that whether you're following a program or whatever it is they might do. So have you and I ever talked about um, Jesus, self-determination theory? I don't think so. Okay. So there's a there's three different tenets, right? It's autonomy, competence, and relatedness. And you can break relatedness down to um, the social aspect of doing things with other people or feeling something as purpose-driven, which we just talked a lot about. Is that is that Bandura or no? No, that is... Um, Sounds Bandura-esque. It is. Yes, it is. But it's... Uh, Jesus, it's... Um, 
Edward Desi and is one of the the main guys that founded it. Edward Desi and uh, I can't think of the other guys. I'll look it up. That's okay. Um, but he has Edward Desi has a book called Why We Do What We Do, which is a really great if you want to want a good understanding of self determination theory. Like that is it. That's a that's the book that I would tell people to read. Um, autonomy, competence, and relatedness. So one of the first things that I would talk to tell to somebody like the, in this situation, your clients don't want to do the program or are giving you feedback or there's low compliance or whatever. The first thing that I would say is, are you working with the right people? Are you actually training the people that you want to train and the people that you can best help and the people that are most interested in the way that you want to do things? Cause it shouldn't be that difficult. You know, that's part of the issue is like, do you have the right people? And then it comes down to thinking about these tenets of autonomy, competence, relatedness. Well, ta- autonomy is part of it. Like they've chosen to work with you because you're in line with what they do. And then they feel related to what you're doing. And so the fight for the program is, is much less. I think another thing to really consider is looking at the competence piece. People don't like to feel silly. Yeah. And pe- people want to feel like they know what is going on. And so one of the things that we really make sure that we do is give people an understanding of what's happening because people don't like to be treated like they're stupid and they don't right. like to feel like they're stupid. And so when you give someone the understanding of why they're doing what they're doing, how it's attached to the outcome that they want and how yeah. it's purposeful, that goes a long way to getting people to do the things that are good for them as well. You know, people want to feel like they're in control. They have autonomy. They're choosing to do the thing. They want to feel like they know what they're doing, so they understand how it attaches, and you've given them enough coaching to to do the thing well, so they don't feel like an idiot or they don't feel like they feel like they can actually get something from it. And then, I think working with the right people, there's the purpose part. Like so, for us, you know, our our the folks in Human Predator Pack Mule that train with us, they want to live long lives out of doors. That's yep. what they want to do. So they're related to this very, they're very, very attached to this outcome that they want and and who they want to be and how they continue to live this part of their life as, as best as they can. And, you know, we connect everybody in the group. So everybody's connected via the way that we train and in our forum and, and all of those, all of the different components that we use. And so if you break things down by that and you make sure that you're checking all of those boxes, you have a way better chance for people to do the program that you've written and and want to do it. Cause if not, like, I don't know that that, that, execution is what it is, is that like you can write the best program in the world and if nobody wants to do it, it doesn't matter. And they're, they're, so you have to take a step back and look at the, the, the people. Are you, are you putting them in, in the position to be successful by helping them understand by making sure that you're working with the right people Um, and by not overvaluing your program and under undervaluing the way that people relate to what you're doing and who you are. And I think that that is one of the problems with, especially with younger trainers, because they get all of this education and they come out swinging their dick around and they really feel like they know what's going on and they know better. And it's like, you don't like, I don't know, like you just, you have to get people to show up and want to be around you and want to be a part of what you're doing. And if you can't win if you can't do that, then your program doesn't mean shit. And the science and the things that you can talk about, it doesn't mean shit because you got to get busy people to take the time out to do something that 
you're asking them to do, and it has to feel purposeful to them. It has to feel like it's getting them somewhere. They have to feel like it's going to get them a result. And so from a human level and a psychological level, it's showing them how they have a choice in the matter. One of the things that we do is we build choice into the program. We show people how to assess themselves, and then we give them options. We give them options of exercises they might do in one day. We give them options of how they might perform the training week and move things around if they need to. Um, and we treat people like they're fucking adults and that they can handle themselves and make them feel competent. And I think that that's a big part of why we have the success that we have. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think there's two things in there that um, one is the fitness world. There's so much bullshit in it, right? Not there's sure. a ton of great stuff, but there's also like a lot of this veil of bullshit and being very transparent with people, you know, and being sincere in the endeavor of like, this stuff is very important to us personally. And it's very like for people we care about, very important for them too. Yeah. Like we, like we want you to be able to do the things you want to do for as long as you can to the best of to your it. ability. Yeah. Right. Like, we love the same things that they love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, so sometimes when we might seem like we're like so serious about some of these things, it's like, well, it's fucking important to us. Yeah. <laughs> like, like every day it's important. So, which is cool too, because I mean, a lot of, you know, all the people in the program, they they've identified like, this is a big value to them and they have this purpose. And it's like, it's very just cool to be in a group of people that has that attitude, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. That's what you want to be around. I mean, that's like one of the problems that I ran into as a younger coach is that I tried to, I don't know, I tried to make people, I guess the easiest way to say it is I would try to get people to value themselves and to value things in a way that they weren't ready to, or they didn't want to, and that I saw their potential rather than their reality. Um, And it comes down to like, I, at the point I'm at now is like, I don't want to work with people that don't want to work with us. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to work with people that don't want to actually achieve something that don't want to go out and do the thing or have something that they want because you just can't help people that don't want help. And you can't make people value something that they don't already value. It's on them to value it. It's on them mostly to motivate themselves. Like we create the environment that is motivating in that they want to be around it and they understand that it's purposeful for them, but like you can't motivate people. You can make it a motivating environment, but like people have to want to do shit. And I think the biggest battle to get people to, to, to get, to have the compliance that you want is to work with the people that actually want to work with you and that you can help and that you solve a problem that's meaningful for them and meaningful for you. It's really, it's, 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 it's that simple. Yeah. And then you're not fighting all these other things along the way. Once that relationship is kind of set up like that in the beginning, it's like, okay, there's like good, clear guidelines of what this is. Yeah. And not trying to, you know, have these problems pop up like, oh man, this, you know, people aren't into it or it's like, you just don't have that. And then the, the fucked up thing is you start to feel some resentment. Like they should like this more than they do. It's like, well, that's when you really need to tap the brakes and say, where am I messing up? What am I not doing as well as I should? Yeah. Be? You know? Right. Yeah. You're wanting somebody else to value what you value. Yeah. And you do that. if you don't understand their value system and all these other things it's like why you know that's like like kind of on the 
yeah, the other end saying like, this should be important to you because it's important to me. Dude, that's one of the things that we've gotten such bad advice from other business coaches and stuff when throughout our careers, like who you should market to. And like, these are the people that with money, like market to old, older folks with this problem and do this. And it's like, and then you get a like for our, in our case, like you get a gym full of these people and they fucking suck to work with. That sucks. It's not fun. Like you have these whiny people that don't actually want to take care of themselves. They just want to be taken care of. And it's not a fun thing to do. So what I've done with human predator pack meal, what we've done is like, we just market to ourselves because that's who we want to be around, you know, like not necessarily from, uh, an expertise level, but from a shared interest, a shared interest and values level. Like we just market to ourselves because that is who we want to be around and that's who wants to be around us. And if there's one thing that I could say, like if somebody wants to do anything where they have to in business, whether it's fitness or whatever is like solve a problem that you've had and something that's meaningful to you because that's how you attract the right people and you and you create the longevity that you want it's also like solving a specific problem it's easier to attract people than it is to just be this vague thing like we train people that love to hunt love to be outdoors and want to do it for the rest of their life that's who i want to speak to and want to be smart about it that's who we work with and that's who i'm only ever going to speak to and i don't want to attract anybody that isn't that you know so yeah yeah, it makes it makes the whole endeavor just seem um very easy, you know, from the standpoint of putting work into things or um, you know, you're excited to solve these problems and it's uh I can't imagine doing it for any other reason, I guess, really. No, for sure. But I know that a lot of people do in the yeah. old fitness space. It's 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 insecurity and fear. You know, because you're just like, man, I got to pay my bills. I got to do this. And I get it because I've been there before. But it's like you realize it's actually if you just tough it out and you do things the way that you really think is right and in align with with who you are and what you want to do, then it's just it's actually way easier. Now, that doesn't mean that I think one of the best things that people can do, and this is just advice for is like keep your day job until you can just do things the way that you want to do them and the way that they're right. Cause then you don't have to compromise anything. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. I think that's some pretty, some pretty sound advice. That's all I've got there, Jordan. Sir. That's all Sir. That's it, isn't it? Jesus Christ. You're a big brooding man. Aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. That's probably good for today. You want to, you got anything you want to finish with or you good or what's up? Uh, totally unrelated, but, uh, my little freckled dog has been kicking total ass. Yeah. You've sent me the, you've sent me the pictures and the videos. Yeah. Late like season that. spooky birds. She's using her brain and it's been a total joy. And I'm going to probably cry when the season is over. Just think about how good she's going to be next year though. Yeah. How yeah. much time do you guys have left? It's like this. I'd have to look. It's like that because it started. I think it's like the second week in February, something like that. First, no, like a week. month, dude. I feel the noose tightening on me now. Yeah, but I got less. I got less. I got like 
let's say I got 19 days until duck season's over here. So yeah, it always sucks. It's always, I always like when at the end of a season, you feel like slightly relieved when it's over. I feel like that's when you did it right. Yeah. Like, whew. Yeah. Just hanging on by a thread here. <laughs> I used to feel that way about football season sometimes where it's like, I just, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I've done about as much as I can do and I'm ready for this oh. to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess maybe I can't relate to that in terms of, I never played football, but it's like when you feel like you've pounded yourself in the Hills as much as you can, it's like, yeah. Cause you left it time out for rest now. Yeah. There needs to be a season for things. I think it's yeah. good that there's a season for things. It, it is. And like you said, when you, you get to leave it all out there, you're like, <clears throat> you know, with the, people wanting to do super hard workouts and stuff all the time. It's like, no, the time to leave it out there is on the mountain when you're hunting. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's when you, yeah. that's when you let it happen and then so, walk like the tin man for a day and then feel happy. There you go. Start over again. <laughs> there needs to be seasons. I'm excited for Turkey season already. Like I, about this time in January, I'm starting to be, I start to really feel like I get the itch for it, man. It's so fun. I can't wait. Yeah, I think you're going to get to go with me this year. I think that would be awesome if you that would come. be. Yeah, I've never killed a turkey, so I'll be like a, a foreign exchange student. Basically, you'll get first shot. I'll just I'll call him in. You shoot him in the face. Okay, that seems simple enough. Yeah. That seems like a Matilda explanation. Yeah, bird That's comes, it. shoot it in the face, rejoice. It's not always that easy. I made that sound really simple, but it's like <laughs> it's. But that's what we'll do. That's what we're gonna take a crack at. Yeah. It's fun where we'll be because it's beautiful and the birds talk all day. And it does look super, really nice out there. Dude, it's incredible. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. So, well, big gulps, eh? 